and lawyers, and they have an ulterior motive in inviting Jesus in to share a meal with them. And it's sort of a setup, if you will, for trying to test this prophet, this uprising individual who's stirring up the countryside and causing all of this trouble. And so Jesus, being who he was, he was willing to accept the invitation of saint and sinner alike. And in this case, oftentimes, the ones who would be considered saints were even actually the greater sinners than the ones that were considered the sinners. And, and so he accepts this invitation to come to this home and have dinner. And there's uh, an opportunity to watch Jesus have a meal with a group of people who would be considered those who would be against him, and yet he accepts this invitation because he loves, him and he loves all people and wants to be a part of that. So we're going to begin in Luke chapter 14 with verse 1, and it kind of divides out into three sections. So we're going to start reading on this first section, and then we're going to talk a little bit about that. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. So they are observing Jesus, and while they are observing Jesus carefully, he, of course, is observing them. And the reason I say that this is a setup is that most people believe that this man, and dropsy, by the way, is a retention of fluid. So it's, somewhat, it's very painful. Uh, they have this retention of fluid. It affects their joints. So they have this, this man who is suffering from this illness, and they have him there at the dinner, and most people say that he was planted there on purpose by the Pharisees on a Sabbath day to see if they could catch Jesus in a sin of healing on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is intended for us. God said, honor the Sabbath to keep it holy, and we're not going to go into a whole discussion about the Sabbath right now, but the Sabbath was given to us as a day of rest to encourage us to take time apart to spend with God and also just to rest. And so many times we in our lives violate that principle that has been a gift given to us by continuing to work and plan activities and do things that just exhaust us instead of taking the time that God has designed for us to have to rest and renew ourselves in him. In this case, though, the Pharisees had added an entire new batch of rules and regulations, things you can do and things you cannot do on a Sabbath. And these included some pretty silly little laws, and some of those even exist today. But the Sabbath in the Jewish uh, faith runs from sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday night. And during this time, they were to be very, uh, very careful about what they did during that time. 
and it turned into such a legalistic sort of situation that everybody watched everybody else to make sure that nobody else was violating the Sabbath. And this got to be taken way to extreme. People had, have done that now with Sundays sometimes. I, we had a, a pastor friend who we met at a retreat, and he and his wife were ministering in Canada, and they, they, were, they would literally drive <clears throat> 35 miles to a different town on Sunday so that they could have lunch out instead of at home, but because people would be critical of them, for eating at an establishment that was open on Sunday, they had to literally leave town and get out of their area of ministry because they would be criticized for doing something like that. So here's Jesus. Here's a man. He needs to be healed. Here's the Pharisees. It's a setup. Jesus knows it. He asks the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They remain silent. He heals the man. He turns to them and he says to them, well, what one of you wouldn't, if your son or an ox fell in a well on a Sabbath, would not get him out and rescue him? And again, they had nothing to say. So Jesus it, it spent time trying to demonstrate to those who he was with that some of their rules and regulations and the religion that they followed was just full of inconsistencies. And this course made them even more angry in regard to that. People who are religious, who are always looking at one another to see whether or not someone is following the law that you have in your mind, they are always looking for a fight. Here is something that uh, is defined as someone who is religious. Someone who is religious is defined by what they are against not what they are for they miss everything around them because they are often obsessed with one thing they want tidy answers to everything versus dealing with messy lives and so they want to answer every question every detail every issue every problem and they try to manipulate force power trip and exert their will over others in terms of the way that they think things should be done. Now, we all are guilty to some degree or another in this area if we are devout followers of Jesus Christ in our judgment of others and how we look to them and what our standards are, what we think is a right standard or a wrong standard, and it's really not our job to do that. So we often fall into the same trap. So Jesus then goes on from this experience of healing this man at this meal. He takes charge of the conversation himself, and he begins to address them because, as I said, not only were they carefully watching him, he was carefully watching them. And so now he wants to directly approach them with an idea that deals with the area of pride. So let's go ahead and read on in this section. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to, give to you, give this man your seat, 
then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place, then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All right. So he is now addressing the whole issue of pride, personal pride that people fall into in their own lives. He's noticing that these guys are all choosing their seats based upon their prominence and importance and how they want to see themselves in the eyes of one another. So Jesus is watching them as they find their seats, that each one is trying to pick one that is a special seat of honor. And so he now uses this opportunity to teach on humility and the sin of pride. Pride can be defined as an inflated sense of one's personal status or accomplishments. It's an inflated sense of status or accomplishments. Another word that is often associated with pride is hubris, H-U-B-R-I-S. And um, we are all guilty of this to some degree or another. Because, uh, well, there's a story about a pastor and... um, he would often come and greet the congregation uh, and would say, uh, the Lord be with you. Anyone who has had this tradition in their background, they know what the response is. The Lord be with you and also with you. Well, one time uh, the microphone was not working and it was overheard by the congregation. There is something wrong with this microphone. And the congregation replied, and also with you. It's kind of their way of trying to fill him in that, you know, he was having a struggle with the area of pride. When Lynn and I went, when we took our kids, we went to Taiwan, uh, we were asked to read a passage of scripture in the Bible at a wedding of a young man named uh, Timothy. And it was an honor to be asked to read at the wedding, and we were, of course, the only foreigners present, and so one of the things that we kept trying to do as we were striving to learn Chinese was each one was was striving with each other to improve their Chinese language. So Lynn and I, we uh, we were asked to do this and at this wedding, and there were it was a full house of guests. All these people were there. And uh, we were feeling pretty good about ourselves to have been asked at this early stage of our journey in learning Chinese to read. And so he gave us the, um, the passage of Scripture over the telephone. And, uh, and there were, and so we heard it, we looked at it, we looked at the passage in James And we looked at that passage, and it was not a passage you would read necessarily at a wedding. In fact, it had to do with the idea of showing favoritism. So we thought, this is strange, but we're in Taiwan, so it's China. What else can you say? This is probably, they do things differently than we do. So we got up there, and it's in our sincerest Mandarin we could uh, pronounce. We, We read this passage in front of all these people. 
And one of the first things he did coming up afterwards to us after we'd read it, thinking that he would say, oh, you know, thank you for, for so much for reading the Bible. Instead, what he came up to us and he looked at us and he said, and I, I looked at him and, and, and I realized that he was telling us, I knew what he was telling me. You read the wrong thing. And um, so, 不是雅各书是雅各书. So there was, 雅各 is Song of Solomon. 雅各 is the book of James. We were way off. Not only it wasn't in the New Testament, it was from the Old Testament. And it was the wrong thing. But you guys could understand this. 雅各, 雅各. And that was on the telephone. We should, our pride kept us from asking further what should be the passage. So then Lynn and I thought, well, that's okay. You know, probably nobody else really knew. Then we got the program bulletin, and there it was all. Not only the verse was listed, but it was written completely out. (laughs) So, anyway, there you go. Pride comes before the fall. It's one of the scriptures. And uh, it says in Proverbs 16, 8, pride comes before a fall. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, Jesus was the perfect example of humility. When you read Philippians 2, you will discover that in, uh, in the Bible as you do that. But here, here's the idea behind pride too. You know, Satan, that was his downfall was pride. He wanted to be like God. And so his falling out came at that point. All right, here's the test for pride. And honestly, you guys, I wanted to leave some of these out because they were so convicting for me personally. But I didn't leave them all out. This is the uncensored view of pride as a pride test for everyone who is here today. These are some of the characteristics of pride. Do you long for a lot of attention? Are you really dramatic so you can be the center of attention? Are you jealous or critical of people who succeed? Do you always have to win? Do you have a pattern of lying so you can make yourself look better than you really are? Do you have a hard time acknowledging that you're wrong? Do you have a lot of conflicts with other people? Do you often cut in line or cut in in front of traffic? Are you upset if others don't recognize your accomplishments? Do you have an attitude of entitlement more than thankfulness? Do you basically feel that you are superior to others? Now, here's one of those little tests that you do that you can always think of it for someone else and rarely for yourself. If you scored 1 to 10, of course, you could say you have pride. If you scored 0, you really have pride. (laughs) In this equation. And Jesus is pointing this out. He's talking about pride and humility. And honestly, someone has said, and I think there's something truthful to this. It goes against our nature to be humble. We are not naturally inclined towards humility. 
So humility is, in many cases, a miracle of God. That we can give glory and honor to Him for all things. That we can trust Him for all things. That we don't have to put ourselves forward to the front in all situations. That we can understand that we can walk in humility, even sometimes feeling invisible to others. And that God has it covered. And that's what Jesus is telling people here. Go ahead and stand down. Take humility. Be willing to be humble. Take the lower seat. If they raise you up, that's great. But if you, in your own pride, push yourself forward, you will be taken down. So that's just a a good word and a good reminder to all of us. Jesus set a banquet table telling this parable to a group of Pharisees who obviously all had issues with pride, but no different than the rest of us. Let's go on in this conversation at the dinner table to our third section. This has to do in many ways in my mind with discipleship, the commitment level of a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's read. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, Jesus is telling them, because the Pharisees themselves, oftentimes like us, had a very narrow view of who was going to be accepted into God's kingdom. They understood that it was going to be themselves because they were following the law as religious people that God wanted them to follow. But all of a sudden now, Jesus is saying to them, it's really not going to be the people that you think are going to be there. And without telling them directly, saying, you know, and that could include some of you. And my father's house has room for many, many people. What did Jesus say? I go, in my father's house are many mansions. 
I go and prepare a place for you. And so he's saying that those who are poor, I would say poor in spirit as well as poor financially, those who know they have a need are invited to come and welcomed at the banquet table with God. Those who don't have a sense of need probably will not participate in this great banquet because their lives are full and satisfied in their own way. These excuses that were listed on the surface appear to be reasonable excuses, but in reality, they are lame excuses because it was understood that who of their right mind would buy a plot of land without looking at it first? Who in their right mind would purchase a set of oxen without seeing them first? And what is it about marriage that would keep someone from attending a banquet of someone else? So essentially they're saying that these excuses were just what it says that they were. They were just excuses. And how oftentimes do we make excuses? I want to honor the men who are here today because men are great at making excuses when it comes to being a part of a church family. I've got work to do. I get my worship up in the hills. I have other things that I do to worship God. I don't need to be in church. And so, honestly, I... I feel like when I see men in a church congregation, it, it is a great honor to see you here because you have taken upon yourselves to be your spiritual leaders and, and the people that we need in our society, in our communities, in our family lives to lead spiritually in this world and not be those who just give excuses, get upset, decide it's not for them, oh, the preacher this, the preacher that, whatever it all is, they make lame excuses. Guys are great at that, right? Yeah, we're pretty good at that. So Jesus is saying, we have an open invitation at his banquet table. And it's for everyone. His arms and hands are open wide to all of us. Have you accepted that? Have you embraced him? Are you welcoming that? We think we would like to have a meal and sit down with Jesus at a great banquet. But how many of us sitting here would say, oh, I've got something else to do? And if you really think about some of these problems that these people were talking about, it's what I would call the problem of affluenza. It's the problem of wealth. They were had their eyes on material things rather than on eternal things. Think about it. Land, oxen. You know, young love and marriage, getting their focus off of God and, and onto themselves. And how often do we do that and not stay true to the course that God has set in front of us? Next week, we're going to continue this theme of discipleship and the fact that it costs something to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and how willing we are to be able to step into that responsibility and follow that truthfully in our lives. There are any number of things that can get in the way of us being fully devoted to Jesus and following him. We just got done with a group of young people, 14, 12, I believe, from uh, the New Life Church in Colorado Springs, and they have what they call a Desperation Leadership Academy. These were young people from 18 to 25 
who were devoting their time completely to, the, to prayer and worship of God and being trained in ministry. And um, one of the things that we shared with them and we recognized with them was, if you're going to get into this for the long haul with Jesus, you need to keep making strides towards Jesus, following him. Because there are any number of excuses and interruptions and challenges that come into our lives that could call, take us off course in our spiritual journey. So are we going to be serious about this or not? Are we going to be sold out to this or not? Are we going to keep moving ourselves forward towards Jesus in a devoted and a compassion in a dedicated way? Or are we going to just be sort of wishy-washy if it's convenient, if it works within my schedule, if it fits my lifestyle, if it fits me, if I can afford it, if I can do it, the priority list falls way, 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 way down. And that's not what the call to follow Jesus is all about. When he said, come and follow me, he said, come and follow me. And what does it say about the first disciples? They left everything and followed him. And when Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, are you too going to go away when people were departing? They said, where do we go? We have left everything to follow. You have sold out to you. So in this banquet, he's not looking for people that just want to dabble in a relationship with God and in a relationship with him. He's looking for people who keep that as the major focus of their life and live sold out full on for him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we have this record of this banquet and Jesus' conversation with people that are gathered at a table. How often many of us would wish that we could have a personal audience with Christ over a meal and how wonderful that might be. But it might not be as wonderful as we think it would be because of just looking at what he shared at this banquet table with those Pharisees who were assembled there. And if he could sit in a room with us at a table, I know he would be loving and gracious and generous and, and, we, and we would be so honored to have him as a guest at our table. But I'm wondering what he might say in our homes or about our lives in regard to our priorities, in regards to our pride, in regards to our understanding of what it means to be in relationship with him. And so today, we rededicate ourselves to you, Lord. We take a look at our lives. We think about all the busyness that we have, the things that have crowded in, the way we've complicated things, the way we've made things more complicated than they need to be with our lives, in our own quest for things. We ask you to convict our hearts by your Holy Spirit today and show us the ways in which we are to be fully devoted to you. No lame excuses, nothing standing in the way. Simply followers of Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to receive our offering at this time. Um, so if the usher would just come now and uh, we'll uh, ask that you would be generous. I want to just reiterate what Lori said when we started. This congregation's support for missions just always amazes me. Every team we've ever sent out from here has sent, been sent out fully funded 
and then some. So we are grateful for that. We are grateful for your generosity with your tithes and offerings to support our ministries here at Community Church. I want to get the Dominican team in the center aisle, the ones that are going to be going. Are, we, we've already named uh, many of them. Some of them are not able to be here because they're elsewhere today. They're not even in Gunnison. But they're leaving at 1 o'clock today to go to Denver, and then they fly tomorrow to the Dominican. So if you guys would just get right here in the center of the center aisle, uh, one of the things that we like to do is we like to send teams off with our blessing and our prayers and uh, we gather around them and so those who are here as well as those who are not rep are representative of the rest of the team uh, i want to thank Lori summers for leading this team um, i think they're all teenagers so um, you all behave yourselves don't make this difficult for miss Lori. <laughs> i remember a team that i had to sit at the airport afterwards one time and line them up across there and had to kind of give them the riot act one time but y'all are good kids right and you're going to just be wonderful those girls those dominican boys aren't going to sweep you off the feet you know they're pretty uh yeah okay just checking uh andrew you're not out out of the woods either on this one because there's some really pretty cute girls over there as well so um anyway if you all would just stand and and come in and lay a hand whoever's closest to them put a hand on them Whoever is just in front of you, put a hand on the person in front of you, and let's do a little prayer for this team because they, th this is a challenging trip. There are, there are possibilities of getting sick. There are possibilities of uh, not getting enough sleep. 
uh, they're going to be around a lot of kids and influencing them for Jesus and be influenced in return. So I would like for two or three people to offer a prayer for them as we close our service today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that they have in front of them and the opportunity we have to send them. We're grateful for the way in which you have provided the resources for them to go and the blessing that that will be for them as well as those they go to serve. Pray for Lori as she leads this team, that you will give her the wisdom and the strength and the health and the safety that she needs as she continues to um, take responsibility for, for those who are going with her. We are grateful for the Dominican team of people that are there, Pastor Rodimaeus and his family and the leaders that he has developed in Dominican who will be joining as partners with them in this endeavor. We are grateful, God, for this day. We thank you for the men who are present here and those who are not able to be here today as they will continue to be fully devoted followers of Christ as godly men and as they develop and walk closer with you each and every day. In your name we pray, amen. Sing Alleluia. being here. I wasn't kidding about the earplugs. If you want some, grab some. <laughs>